so how many people speaking about uh horse people are horse people people uh riders are people too um <laughs> uh, how many horse people do you know that live off of coffee when you ask them their diet and they're like well I like just have coffee until I go into the house at nine o'clock at night and then I eat the entire fridge and then I have coffee the next morning have you heard this before because it's Um, like every trainer I've ever met yeah actually I have a lot of now that you say that I have a lot of current clients who are on like the online programs that when we first start I ask them like what they're eating and fruits they're eating, like all this stuff. And they're like, um, I don't really have time to eat. So I just, you know, don't. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you hydrating with? And they're like, um, coffee. And I'm like, that doesn't count. That's not hydration. (laughs) So essentially, yes, they are only ingesting coffee for 12 hours of their day while being very physically active humans all day. And then wondering why they eat a bag of Doritos every night somehow. And then wondering why they're tired the next day. Mm. And so, uh, Kathleen, in your <laughs> professional opinion, what does that do to the human body? Um, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> uh, and then on <laughs> the next point, can real people survive this way? Um, no. Exactly. <laughs> Evidence one, that horse people are not people. <laughs> they are not people. That is my, my defense <laughs> for this entire podcast is going to be proving that most oh, people okay. are not people. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so this is your horse is not the problem episode four, <laughs> where we debate if horse people are people. Um, well, riders no, are people too. Riders are people too. That's, that's our theme for today. Um, but are they? <laughs> So uh, talking about diet, because it, I mean, I have been there too. I, I'm sure lots of people have been there where I don't have time to eat, which is like, you know, honestly, like the dumbest thing. And even when you're, even when you're saying it, even when you say, I don't have time to eat, you're thinking to yourself, I sound so dumb right now. Um, because we live in a world where everything is packaged. You can get nuts prepackaged for you in, uh, Portions, nuts, yeah. nuts and portions. Uh, there's granola bars. There's cereal in a box. There's, I mean, there's like, you know more about this. I was listening all these things and I'm like, please don't eat any of those things. Anybody listening? <laughs> but I mean, there's so many bad. <laughs> but it, it, there's so many, like chopping up vegetables would be yeah. ideal, especially well, right now. Farmers markets are. I mean, you can get you can go to the grocery store and get portions of vegetables that are pre. Exactly. You don't even have to cut things anymore. You can literally go and get moderately healthy things that are pre-packaged and ready to go that aren't going to take you any time. One of like, and this is something that I've posted on my Ridewell account or Ridewell before, where it's like you can get, and people are like, oh, the second excuse is always, it's like I don't have time. And eating healthy is expensive, and both those things are like the most easily proven wrong facts of life like especially again especially this time of year in the summer when it's in season for everything fresh you probably are getting free vegetables left right and center if you know anybody with a garden anybody Um, literally anybody but then like I can go to a grocery store right now it doesn't matter what grocery store if it's a farmer's market or if it's like a big box store and get um a very healthy easily to go lunch 
for under $12. I can go get some meat uh, for protein. So like some deli meat, get a hundred grams of that. That's a good portion size for a day or two days even. Um, if you can eat dairy, you can do a little bit of cheese. You can do some vegetables and all that. Like that's going to end a drink, preferably water, but like a drink of some sort with low sugar in it. And then there you go. There you have a lunch for under $12. That you can, I can take go, anywhere. You can go cheaper than that. You can get like the big things of veggies that are pre-sliced up for 12 bucks. And that'll save like that's three days worth of veggies. And to appeal to the horse person who may or may not be a person, uh, anything you don't eat out of a veggie tray, you can give your horse. Except you should probably go on Google yeah. and check things that you can't give horses because horses cannot have tomatoes potatoes oh man i can't remember the other ones do you remember them are you googling it right now no that's your job <laughs> ah since when um, can they not have nightshades though i think so onions uh they can yeah. have onions uh i don't think they can have garlic vegetables horses cannot eat um which is good information to have because if you're planning your meals, you want to make sure that uh, you're planning it around your horse, right? Because yeah. heaven forbid you would have something that your horse can't eat or your dog. Um, so vegetables that are safe. Let's start with that. Uh, carrots, celery, cucumber, parsnip, turnip. Who's feeding their horses these things? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's just so many easy... And, like, even for people who aren't spending... So, like, the, the people who aren't trainers, people who aren't professionals, who aren't spending a whole day in a barn. And, like, they're... I mean, they're operating in regular life. I'll say that in quotations. Um, they have the prime time opportunity to treat themselves properly. Not that it's not, it's not, not attainable for trainers and professionals either. It's just as attainable for them. Um, and if anything, they should be really paying attention to it because it's their job. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of excuses out there. A lot of excuses. We're here to tell you that you can, you can eat. It's allowed and we're here and, to call you on bullshit <laughs> so yeah. because can't and won't are the same thing and if you think that drinking coffee is going to help your figure it's not it's just not um also I just can, it doesn't doesn't really do a great job all the time of keeping you awake if you're chronically drinking it like it's actually pretty horrible no. for you energy wise if you're using it all the time for energy like that's how you burn yourself out adrenal like adrenal wise and i'm not a professional on this but like it's not great for you. I'll leave it on that. It's not great for you to be like chronically and do like having it. Okay. Let's move on to uh, another uh, portion of this. Um, the exercise for the horseback rider and or professional horse person, because uh, this is a topic. How many times do you meet horse professionals where, because you were in Wellington and this came up and they said, I see your face right now. Give me that look. Uh, I don't have time to exercise because I'm always exercising at the barn. That was my amazing yeah. Wellington accent. Was it close? 
Uh, no comment. <laughs> um, yeah, and this goes like hand in hand with the diet thing. It's the same can't, won't uh, explanation. Also with exercise, it's kind of an even dumber excuse to make because really, I mean, as I keep saying, I don't know how many rants I've gone up on in four episodes already, but as I keep saying, like, exercise does not mean you have to go to the gym and work out for an hour exercise is essentially just making sure you're moving properly and effectively with intention like we talked about last time um where you can in your day especially as riders especially if you're professional especially if you're riding five plus horses a day ten plus horses a day as a lot of people working or showing and competing and, and training in florida would be um if you're not doing something to counteract all that on your body as well as doing different things with intention in the saddle and out of the saddle, then, I mean, you're not setting yourself up for success. And then the same thing happened when I was like that, that project I did in Wellington too, is like the same thing with the diet where they never been taught how to eat properly. And most of them had never cooked a meal for themselves either. So it's like, I mean, you have a lack of resources, a lack of education, but then also a lack of effort. I mean, it's hard to make effort if you don't know what you can do, I guess that's important, but uh, yeah. And it, like, this is definitely sounding, is this cliche? Yeah, it's totally cliche what I'm about to say. Um, how we spend so much time and effort on learning things about our horses, but not having the time to do it for ourselves. But uh, at the same time, um, oh no, it's gone. <laughs> and that's what happens when you drink too much coffee, Sarah. <laughs> we only had one. That's what happens when you're addicted to coffee, Sarah. <laughs> it's true. I'm trying to switch to tea. It's very difficult. I love the taste of coffee. You should try the um, mushroom coffee. Maybe they'll sponsor us. I would like mushroom coffee? coffee Have you not heard of this? It's like, um, yeah, I can't remember the name of it right now either. But they make coffee... Uh, out of different mushrooms. Oh, I remember what healthy. I was going to say. Okay, uh, you go. Okay, and then we'll finish the mushroom the healthy coffee. Um, how are you supposed to effectively take care of your horse if you're not taking care of you? Exactly. And then back to mushroom coffee. How it's not coffee if it comes from a mushroom because coffee is from a coffee bean. No, I know it's the not coffee plant. Coffee, but it's they're like recreating coffee, and it. I think it has the same. Maybe Dr. Sarah, our guest, um, is this like meatless meat? Because it's not meat if it's meatless. That's that's not what meat is. I know, but it's just a branding thing. So it's a replacement for coffee. It's a coffee substitute. And it has all these other benefits because it's made of these super healthy mushrooms. Um, I've never had it, but I keep hearing about it. Uh, so if anybody from the mushroom coffee company is listening, <laughs> I will happily pass it out for you. <laughs> and all of our listeners will love to hear that review. So please sponsor us. <laughs> um, I also feel to put in my two cents to destroy what you've just done. Um, <laughs> if I was wanting to quit coffee, I would switch to mushroom coffee probably. Maybe that's what its purpose is. <laughs> um, I think so, because it's meant for people who have, like, I don't know. I, I'm going to stop talking because I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But, um, hey, do you want me to Google it? <laughs> yes, Google it. Google mushroom coffee right now. Oh, man. 
This is the also most look exciting. at look at my cat. Look at Buddha right now. Well, now I'm on Google looking at Buddha. Okay, and then looking Where at is she? cat. Oh, she's pretty cute. So for our listeners that can't see this, Buddha is a fluffy kitty um, sleeping on a couch. And yeah, she's helping podcasts today. Kathleen is just uh, just confirming the craziness of the horse person. We can also be crazy <laughs> cat ladies. We can be crazy really dog, dog people. Uh, I've met some with ferrets. You can be oh, a God. crazy ferret person. Um I think you're taking it to a whole new level of crazy at that point. You can, yeah. you can be a horse hoarder. There's lots of those. Um, okay. So mushroom coffee. Uh, other things that uh, I guess. Okay. It is a thing. You weren't lying. It's organic. <laughs> hey, people. Free shipping over $100. It's sugar-free, uh, premium quality. Relax your body. Boost your immunity. And it comes in sachets, blends, and boxes. Sachets? Yeah. Sackets. What is that word? Isn't it sachets? I don't know. My world is upside down right now. I don't know what's going on. People are making coffee out of mushrooms. Um, I'm surprised you haven't heard of this yet. This isn't like a new thing. It's been around for a few years. um, But I also live in a special little bubble. That's true. You are very much in that horse world bubble. I am not. I, I am, but I'm not. I don't really come out of the bubble unless it's to... <laughs> <laughs> Until I drag you out of it. <laughs> to eat food or ice cream. Um, and then I also, if they don't have this at coffee shops, I won't know what it is. Um, um, so let's do, let's tell the listeners about our weeks. How was your week, Sarah? What was the highlight of your week? Oh, wow. It's, it's come to this now. Um. <laughs> well, for those of you listening, we are currently waiting on our guest to arrive, Dr. Sarah Druckmann, who I'm very excited to talk to. So we are filling time until she gets here because I'm not sure she wants to hear about our weeks, but I know our listeners do. As I know they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, what did I do? So, uh, yeah, I can tell people about my week. Um, in fun and exciting news, I have taught my cat how to walk on a harness and he hangs out in the backyard <laughs> with me while I meditate. Um, <laughs> killing ants. <laughs> we have a good time together. Um, but no, in like, that was real though. That was real. Um, in actual, like interesting things that people care about, uh, <laughs> we've been getting the farm ready for the retreat. Um, so my little farm uh, is in the countryside surrounded by wheat fields and uh, hawks. And I've got herons everywhere right now because um, of the that's lake. That's a good omen, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought. I've got a blue heron and then I've got some pelicans and I've got some hawks and some ducks and these strange black, large duck-like creatures that I can't get close enough to get a photo of, but I'll get them. Oh, and then I had a I had a duck with like thirty chicks behind it, and then right after that, and I saw on Facebook that duck was seventy chicks behind oh it or God. something like that, and I was like, oh no, my duck is going to beat that duck, <laughs> and just you wait, I'll get her on video with a hundred ducklings. I'm going to have to encourage more ducks to my pond, um, but no, that uh, what we've been doing is um, turning an old 
cinder block building into a barn and an indoor arena and then uh, rebuilding fences and uh, doing a bunch of construction. And I mean, working on my tan while I'm doing it, it's, uh, it's been good. I'm, I've, I've gotten rid of the farmer's tan. I've moved on to a human tan. Um, I still have white legs. And this is another thing that makes horse people completely inhuman is our inability to have tanned legs. Yeah. I mean, I have that problem regardless of if I'm riding or not. So that's because your Irish is showing. I don't have any Irish in me. It's all Scottish. Okay. Your Scottish is showing. Don't insult me by calling me Irish. (laughs) Okay. I apologize. I just, I think of this because of your fiery temper. (laughs) So fiery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the fightiness that you get. Um, so, I mean, out of the two of us, I'm not sure who demonstrates these <laughs> traits more. <laughs> All right. Touche. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, it's, that is what we've been doing. Uh, that was the highlight of my week is uh, I have a place to park my trailer now where I do not have to back a gauntlet of uh, old trucks uh, farm implements, tractors, and snow fence. And I will tell you, I can back up a trailer like nobody's business without hitting anything. <laughs> um, oh, God. That's, yeah, it, it's, it's all cleaned up now. Your so, week sounds much more productive than mine. Well, what was, this was a long weekend in Canada. Uh, I got pictures of where you were, and it was super amazing. And actually, you know what? <clears throat> Tell people about this because this is uh, totally a hidden gem in Manitoba. Are you there? I'm here. Sorry. Um, the lake that I just went to? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was pretty sweet. Um, it, was a, it was an interesting place. So I, this weekend, I should get into the details before I just comment. Um, this weekend, I went up to Little Limestone... Uh, lake uh, it's also a provincial park and um just because it looked interesting um so we went up there and yeah minimally planned it, it was, it's about a five and a half hour drive just under north of winnipeg where i currently live um and the whole thing with this lake is it's the world's largest marl lake m-a-r-l uh, which means that it reflects, like, there's a mineral in the water. I think it's calcium or calcite or something. And it reflects the sun in a different way than usual. So that's why it has, like, this Caribbean blue kind of color, which for those of you who are in Manitoba or have been to Manitoba lakes, you know, a lot of the lakes here do not have that color. Uh, so they're brown. It's like you're, they're brown. <laughs> yeah, they are very much lakes. <laughs> um, because we are essentially the bottom of a very old ocean. So we don't have a ton of like gorgeous blue waters. Um, but we have Some this lake. Some may say a swamp. Some may say a swamp. Yes. I'm uh, being kind to Manitoba. Because <laughs> I still live in it. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to make fun of though. Um, no, I, I also. Good Lord, that's loud. Oh, sorry. Did you freeze or did I freeze? I think that you froze. Okay. 
It would be me. Fucking tech. What were you saying about bashing Manitoba? Oh, there's many aspects of it that are nice um, in <laughs> June and September. I like August here. I guess that the feeling <laughs> of the humidity in the air making you slimy is what I didn't like. Okay, so yeah, this year has been so different because we essentially had July and August weather all through May and June. And August so far has been more like October. Oh, um, so that's a nice month. Yeah, so it's been, I mean, it's going to be really hot this week again, which I'm not quite looking forward to. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. And I'm back in Alberta next week, so that's fine. So, I mean, you want to appreciate it for the little things like the thunderstorms. And those days when it's sunny and raining, I like those days. Yeah. Um, sometimes they don't happen in an entire year, though, so it's really hard waiting a whole year <laughs> for that day that never happens. That one day that you enjoy. Um, yeah. yeah, but Little Limestone, pretty cool. So, like, it's um, right on the – I think it's about an hour past Grand Rapids. Not that necessarily everybody listening is going to know where that is. But um, you show up, and it's, like, this very small little parking lot and a sign saying that you need to call the Cree Nation that borders the one side of the lake to get permission to stay there if you're going to stay there. And then it's a rock beach. So you like go and there's like this tiny little like kind of area. And it's, it's a tourist attraction. Like when we got there on Sunday, there was like five or six people there. Like just drove out for the day to take pictures and then driving back to the city. Um, so that 10 hour drive just to get a couple of pictures of this lake. Like it is a thing. Um, cool. We decided to like back bush camp there. So we trekked down one side of the beach. It was so interesting. I didn't, I don't know if I told you this. We trekked down one side of the beach Um for a while trying to find a camping spot and it's all rock beach and like limestone lake and the other cool thing with this lake is that there's no external water income so it's just it all comes up from the bottom through an aquifer underneath the rock and filters up yeah so it's yeah pretty cool um there's huge ass leeches in it but i never got any so i'm okay with that they can remain um, but yeah, we were walking up this one side of the beach looking for a camping spot and there's so many spiders like all through the rocks, just like spiders everywhere. Um, and like for once I wasn't actually freaked out by it. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm making peace with this because they aren't jumping onto me. They're just scattering. So as long as they continue scattering and there was enough spiders that you could see them scattering. Like that's what I mean. There wasn't like one or two. There was like five or so every step on, in these rocks, like scattering away. And uh so we like, I don't know, trekked for like half a mile up this beach and then we found like this one spot that would work, but it was like surrounded by tall, like just all tall grass. And we're like, the bugs aren't bad now, but if we set up a tent in the middle of tall grass surrounded by spiders, are we setting up in a spider nest? Like, is that why there are no, no other bugs? And so we're like, let's go the other way and see. So we like walked down the other side of the, this one half of the lake for a bit and like all of a sudden no spiders, none whatsoever um like I didn't see one spider when we crossed over to this other half of the the shore um same beach no bugs no spiders and like gorgeous little like because it was just like dense forest on the side of the shore so you like there's little pop-up places where you could go and like you could kind of like a clearing enough to set up with our very small tent and whatever um yeah so we went that way because there's no spiders and no bugs um it's, I'd, I'd like to interject right for a second just to make the comment that um this is Manitoba is these like there's beautiful places but there's always like this horror film aspect (laughs) to these beautiful places so you show up and you're like wow beautiful amazing 
killer spiders everywhere or bugs the size of your head that can suck your blood. Um, and, and, and other beautiful places in the world don't have this. I mean, okay, there so- are some that have worse <laughs> things for sure. There's some that have worse things. Yes. But okay. Well, I will debate on that because the last couple of years we've had pretty much no bugs. Um, what, what about how, how, are the t- how are the ticks this year? How are the ticks? I haven't gotten any. <laughs> okay, so. but do, do you live in, in Winnipeg? Yes. <laughs> and how much time of tick season did you spend in Alberta? I actively avoid tick season wherever I go. And, <laughs> but I did spend a lot of it in Alberta this year. You were correct. Uh, pray tell, why do you avoid tick season, uh, Kat? Because <laughs> ticks are horrendous. Because you get 50 on you while walking I've never I've never had that problem maybe they I I have I have I had one in my belly button and it didn't come out it was terrible and I I so I've talked to other people this year who've said the same thing um but okay we're done we're done with this uh where I would like to take this conversation is because you made a really this is a really awesome uh uh, conversation as well so we've talked about um horse people and their eating habits, horse people, and their exercise habits, horse people, and their downtime habits. Yes. Or um, lack thereof. Lack thereof. I mean, I think I really see value in a statement like absence makes the heart grow fonder to a lot of aspects of life now because I see so many people burning out on one thing, whether it be riding, whether it be work, whether it be whatever. But yeah, so disconnecting from the thing you spend too much a lot of time doing is super valuable and that I think is how people need to look at it because it's not um like I see riders overtrain constantly like that's probably the one thing I see either they're not training appropriately or consistently enough to offset what they're doing in the saddle and they're just overtraining themselves in the saddle and the horses in the saddle or they're simultaneously riding a lot and borderline overtraining there and then they'll also overtrain outside of the saddle so like doing insane workouts every day like doing all these crazy things and it's like you can't like that's one extreme to the other um there has to be balance and like times like this whether especially when you're stressed or going through a tougher season or whatever like taking even 24 hours even six hours whatever away and doing something completely separate for me it's become wandering into the wilderness (laughs) and texting Sarah about my adventures <laughs> and trying not to get eaten by bears. Um, for others, it's other things, but you have to find something that's different, but allows you to disconnect from your regular. And be, be a person and be a be, person, be human, it, enjoy the human experience in <laughs> ways, in like ways other than horses and this is coming from uh, here's some small uh background this is coming from someone who has lived off coffee who has never left the farm for how long did I stay on that farm eight years Mm -hmm. yeah eight years straight uh on a farm and uh had some very poor exercising regimes so I'm on the other side now I can uh I can say this stuff because I've been there. I know. <laughs> I know the hell that you wake up every morning living the dream. Are you there? Did you leave? Yeah. No, I'm here. Okay. Sorry. I'm just checking my messages. Um, so, uh, 
living the dream does not need to entail you living on a shit diet, uh, feeling like you have the body of a, a 70 year old and, uh, being at your barn nonstop. Like you, you can experience other things and they're just going to, um, what's the word? Accentuate the worst experience. Is that a good mm-hmm. word? Yeah. Um, they're going to, they're going to make it better because you're, you're going to have more, you will be more balanced and by balancing, is that your kitty? Yeah, that's the other one. Okay. Um, by, by adding balance to your life, uh, you're going to be able to do better things with your horse. Oh, wow. She is meowing. She's super cute. Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't know if you want to add to that or if I just um, kind of trailed off. <laughs> no, I think that's super accurate because I mean, and that brings us kind of to what we were talking about last week too, where like being intentional and, um, and recognizing limitations and, and what you're placing on yourself. Because I think sometimes the only time you really can connect into those things and reflect on certain things is when you've stepped away from something. Um, and for, for myself and like, not just in the context of riding, um, but in every area of life, like I've often found the best time, best way for me to process something or, um, see things from a different perspective is to literally change my physical location. So that's traveling, that's, um, even going somewhere close to home or whatever, but spending time with myself, essentially, that's all it is. Uh, without like the usual distractions because it's easy I think for people to get into autopilot mode when they're doing things and we lose that ability to become intentional and um, find value in all those little things and those thoughts and see things from differently Um, and unless you are really able to do that and and be intentional with everything you're not going to reach the goals that you want to reach because without that intention you don't really have anything behind you you're just going monotonously through your day and through your tasks um, so you'll make low level process, but you won't make high level change. And I think Whoa. most people are now starting to want more, right? If you want more, you have to figure out ways to get intentional. And that's always adding variety, diversifying your life a bit. Uh, you said something at the beginning and I'm actually not going to be able to remember exactly what you said, but it was along the lines of, uh, just uh, being with yourself. That's what you said. Just being with yourself. Um, And I think that being with yourself is, that is definitely an asset of something that to to work on and to be able to do uh, being alone with yourself, knowing yourself and being okay with that. Yeah. Not feeling. Yeah. Who was I? What was I? Was I telling you? Was I reading something to you? I you do remember. read to me a lot. Um, for our <laughs> listeners, uh, Kathleen uh, reads me bedtime stories, which I appreciate. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying this like, oh my goodness, like you guys have to understand how hard it is to be friends with this girl. <laughs> no, <laughs> so many times <laughs> you send me these uh, these things that you've read, and I'm like oh, I really needed to hear that right now. And that was terrible. And now I have to work on something. Um, but at, at, there's so many times, so many good stories and, uh, I appreciate it. So anyhow, continue. You were probably reading a story <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah. And well, and this is actually popped up in a few things I've been reading lately where it's like just the lack, and I've been saying this for a while already too, where it's like the lack of ability in our society to be with ourselves um, and be in silence and be like, and actually get to know yourself. And it's like how many problems come up um, in in our bodies and then also consequently in our horses that aren't like, are just problems stemming from lack of awareness. Like, I mean, my day to day job is essentially teaching people how to move and teaching people to be aware of their body on a very surface level. Oh, there's your kitty. Um, so it's like, if we don't like the more you can learn how to spend time in silence and to get to know, yourself and how your your brain like how you think and what your go-to thoughts are and this again relating to last week's discussion um that's how you figure out how to solve the problems because once you're aware of something it doesn't need to be a problem anymore you can figure out the solution pretty easily but yeah there i a few things i've been reading lately have been like just emphasizing how important it is to spend time in silence whether that be even when you're having a conversation with another people or or in a group like allowing time for silence in the conversation because that's where points are made and that's where you really can actually like listen um, or if it's just with yourself. Because I mean, how many people do you know that just will go home and turn on the TV and not actually watch the TV, but just to have the TV on? Yeah. And it drives me insane, but it's so common. It's so mm-hmm. common. But I mean, a big part of that is just subconsciously you have it. So you're not alone. Yes. And it was me that you read that too, because I, w- I was uh, thinking about it and reflecting on that often. And it, there's, there's two parts to it is the, the silence, how the silence and the positivity of the silence and just being in that moment, but then also um, what happens when you're silent and you bottle things up inside. So mm-hmm. there, it's a two part. So we go through life and um, we avoid conflict by not speaking up and then go back and turn the TV on so that we don't have to think about how that makes us feel. Yeah. Um, And so we are, it's this cycle of we're silent when we should be open and we're uh, closed and when we should be silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that. Yeah. No, exactly. And like, and that silence and that ability to, sit and be is where you're going to learn a lot about whether it be things you're thinking, things you need to think about differently, um, things you need to deal with on an internal level, whether that be emotions or physical things. And usually they're connected. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, they're always connected. Whoa. Um, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> um, but then it's also a chance for you to start reframing some of those things for yourself. Um, and that was the challenge that we gave it last week where it was like, write down some barriers that you're having and then write down some ways to get around over around those barriers. Um, and that's another thing you can start doing is writing down things that you see as negative things and reframing them for yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, that silence is where you figure all that out. If you can't do that, you're turning, you're essentially turning off your connection to your operating system and it can't get across to you that something's not something's not right because also uh maybe this is some news to people but your operating system is actually not your smartphone (laughs) it's 
you. <laughs> yes, we are the original smartphones. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's why they're smart is because they just can do stuff we can do, except we yeah. do it better. We just have forgotten that we can do it. Um, and you know what? I really encourage people now because it's something I started doing too, and that was partly this weekend. It's like we didn't really have great connection out where we were. Like you were far enough away from civilization that if push came to shove, your cell phone would not save you. Like it now. Okay. This, this is, wow. Where did this go? Um, (laughs) so you're younger than I am. If people haven't already figured that out, um, not because of my wisdom, but because of your remarks on my age more than once. Are you still there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, still okay. Here. Sorry, um, I was just texting our guest. She's gonna, she's on her way. She's gonna be about five minutes. Okay. So um, when I was a child, we didn't have cell phones. Um, we had a box phone in the car. Uh, <laughs> well, you're but, still young. I remember those. <laughs> you remember those? Okay. Yeah. And so I remember when I was a kid, being in a place where I didn't instantly think exactly what you're saying I don't have any reception out here um Mm -hmm. I used to go to a camp in the um the porcupine hills or the foothills uh west of Claire's home and it was an outfitter camp and we would be in cougar and bear country children um are the people taking care of us were slightly older children uh or young adults and uh usually a dog would die every year from a cougar attack and uh, we would ride around on our horses. And I never thought about that. I, was never, I never thought, oh, wow, we're so unconnected. Because we never had that. That yeah. wasn't a thing. And there's so many times where I'm in scenarios, exactly what you're talking about. And I instantly think I don't have cell phone reception. What if A, B, C, D, E happens? What will I do? And then I give my head a shake. And it's like, what, where is this reliance you got? Like, reliance, is that a word? Um, no. No. Where is this... Uh, uh, dependency, I think, is what you're going dependency, for. Dependency, thank you. <laughs> um, where is this dependency coming from? Like, this, is, this has been taught. This is not something that's inside of us. This it's not even... Taught. Yeah, it's it's conditioned right and because yeah. we have such easy access and our society is conditioned for convenience and for comfort i mean that i'll always argue that that's where most of our issues come from as mm-hmm. a day-to-day society is the convenience and comfort that we're all used to relying on um, so then our our advice earlier in the episode was there's so much convenience in food right now stop <laughs> not eating yeah like, there's no excuse but that's that's I mean, it all, it always comes back full circle this, it's so helpful to have this. Yeah. And yet it has, it has really destroyed our self-awareness. Yeah. Well, the convenience food thing is also an issue. That's why I said like, yeah, you could take a convenient route and yeah, eat the box and the processed food because it's always there and it's not going to go bad on you. You could take the slightly less convenient route and buy fresh things and make it yourself. And then you can combine that with your mindfulness time and your time by yourself and some time to reflect because you don't necessarily need to be thinking hard about prepping food. Once you've done it a few times, that can be time where you're just spending with yourself or in your head or whatever, but reflecting and decompressing and 
and taking the day down. I mean, that's a great place to do it. Same with, I mean, a lot of you people use exercise to tune their day out as opposed to to process their day. There's a big difference. And that's the whole thing. I talk to a lot of yoga instructors and they're always ranting about this too. That's how people started treating yoga as an hour. To, like they zen out, but they essentially just like shut their brains off for an hour and have a glorified nap instead of using yoga and the asanas and yoga as a tool to process and to go deeper and to go within and to figure things out like yoga and exercise and that it doesn't have to be a fun time or a peaceful time or whatever a lot of the time it is used if it's used well for emotional processing for decompressing and tuning in it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be bad either but it's a time to tune in uh not to tune out which and riding riding should be like that too in my opinion it's a time to tune in yeah yeah, it, huge. Um, this is actually the perfect topic to segue into our guest, Dr. Sarah, um, who is a chiropractor and she's a yoga instructor too, isn't she? Yes, she does booty yoga. Is she here? She's here. Oh, perfect. Your timing is so. impeccable. I don't know if she can. Hey, there she is. Hey. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. I, I can't this, see you. <laughs> my air conditioning unit can be a little loud in my office here, so I hope it doesn't it doesn't come on and get very loud. No worries. We have various animals that chime in every once in a while. Okay, so. I heard that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Doctor Sarah, meet Sarah. Hi, <laughs> Sarah. Hi. Nice to meet you. I've been enjoying your information. You guys are awesome. Awesome. Thank Thanks for tuning in. This is, this is the second time we've had another Sarah on the show. So because we're please. the best. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's just take a moment to appreciate Sarah's in our lives. <laughs> it's a moment of silence for all the Sarah's in your life. <laughs> um, um, Go ahead, Sarah. Uh, I was just going to say uh, your timing was impeccable. We were just talking about uh, yoga. Awesome. And you are the professional on yoga. <laughs> so, uh, Kathleen, if you want to uh, continue your thought and let's, uh, let's get Sarah's uh, take on this. What was my thought? Oh, yeah, we were talking about intention and tuning in. So I was saying how a lot of, a lot of yoga instructors and a lot of uh, – we're all kind of noticing now how – it's become yoga has become such a fad. So it's, it's people are using it to tune out instead of to tune in because obviously tuning out is a lot easier for most people. Um, and just this was segueing on our topic of how we are in our society, especially in riders, we lack awareness. We lack time to reflect. We lack the dedication to tuning into ourselves. Um, and that lack of ability to do that is affecting our performance all over the board, whether it be in our health or in our riding or whatever. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Sarah? I'm going to call you Dr. Sarah. So it's less confusing. (laughs) I know. I'm like, Oh my goodness. We're going to be like, Sarah, Sarah, which one? (laughs) Um, well, absolutely. I mean, I'm guilty of it just like anyone else. I think running my own business and running around and trying to keep up with life. It's when things get quiet. Sometimes I have a harder time embracing the quiet that I know I need. And I complain about not having, um, it's, so when things slow down, I'm, I start stressing out. And it, but but at the same time, I need that slow time to regroup and get a hold of my 
personal life and my emotions and my spirituality and my business. So um, I think, you know, I don't know if that really answered the question or not, but um, yoga is totally. one of my favorite tools. I, I love the practice on not just the physical component, um, which is kind of what led me to, I've done yoga on and off since I was 17, since undergrad. I'm 30 something now, but we won't get into the details of that. Um, <laughs> I've done yoga off and on and it's never really stuck um, because I always viewed it as a workout. Like I'm going to go do yoga because it's like a workout. And now I, it's like my sanity, that time where I can go and be with I see it as like a moving meditation more than anything else. And in the saddle, I, I don't ride as much as I would like right now. I'm so darn busy. And um, whenever I get on it, I've always had this problem of not breathing and tensing up. I come from like a very Germanic dressage background. And now when I ride, I do my pranayama and my ujjayi breathing. And I'm like, breathe, 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 breathe. I have to, I tap into that yoga side um, whenever I'm on a horse and it's amazing. It's, it's immensely helped my performance as a rider. So. That's so cool. Yeah. I I was, yeah, I was talking, I was actually working with a rider, um, a group of riders on Saturday and I had one that like, she came into it just saying like, I don't know how to relax. Like I'm so tense. I'm so scared. I'm all this stuff. And like, that's exactly the tool I used with her. I just had her focus on breathing, like breath work while she was riding because her horse wasn't going to do anything. Um, well, they, and and they, help, they tune into that immediately. Exactly. They yeah. Down a level and um, yeah. it's so grounding for the rider and the horse, right? Yeah. It was, it was a, an amazing, I mean, it was an amazing contrast from when she started and her and the horse were both just like little balls of anxiety and the horse wasn't, he was just like kind of moving his leg because they were so tense and the rider was just like pitch forward in like a super flex, anxious type posture. Uh, and as soon as we just opened the, her up specifically and worked on the breathing and then built her fr- frame around the breathing, her horse was like the laziest school horse, not the laziest, but like just the nicest school horse in the world to ride. Like the six-year-old thoroughbred was just like, oh, no problem. This is fine. Like, and well, it, just, it was such a good contrast. I know that you guys talk about energy and, you know, all sorts of topics on this podcast. And, um, it's, it's that energy that you, tra- when you can ground yourself through breath, which is one of the easiest, seemingly easiest tools, right? People don't know how to breathe. There's some techniques to teach them how to breathe better. But um, if you can ground down through breathing, it does put you into a parasympathetic state. So rather than sympathetic, which is fight or flight, you know, so when your horse spooks, that's sympathetic, get, get out of dodge. Um, breathing puts you into a parasympathetic state, which is rest and digest or feed and breathe are the two um, analogies they, they use. So if you can just take a moment and breathe and any, whether you're on a horse or in a conference call or prepping for a meeting, or you can take a test. Um, it's one of the most powerful, simplest tools that we have. It's free. You don't have to go to a yoga class to breathe. You can do it in any environment and it, it will bring you down a level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you're brought down a level, your horse is brought down a level. <laughs> yeah. They've, uh, I don't know if they've done studies on this, but, uh, I have heard about it in, uh, 
I'm not going to be able to remember where I heard about it. When you breathe uh, with your horse, your horse will actually start to breathe with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what you're talking about, Kathleen. When that young lady started breathing, when she was riding, her horse started breathing. Um, If we're sitting stiff on our horse, you look at where our leg is and we'll, we'll end up restricting that horse's breath um, and then causing that horse to hold its breath. And if the thoroughbred is holding its breath, it's not getting oxygen to its brain and their brains (laughs) need oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like what you're saying, Dr. Sarah, it's so simple and it's free and it, it makes such a huge difference just to add that little piece in there. Um, so uh, on the topic of, uh, um, riders are people too. That is our, our theme for the day. Um, uh, riders need to breathe too, just like yes. everyone else. <laughs> we are still human. I always say to my patients and I'm kind of, I'm joking and not joking, but there's certain adjustments I do where, um, in the neck, a lot of people may, may have they might be stressed out about having their neck adjusted or they just kind of tense up, which I, I do as well as a patient just from, I've fallen off a lot of horses. I've been dragged by horses. I've had neck issues on and off since I was, you know, in my twenties, early twenties. Um, so people will lay there and their, their ears are up and their traps are contracted. Their ears are up in their shoulders and you see it in riding too. It's just kind of a tense state, right? As we contract our bodies and bring those ears up to our shoulders. And I'm always like, just breathe, create some space in your body. I'm like, <laughs> it's like my yoga term for just create some space, right? So breathing helps us create space. In my opinion, it, it really opens us up and gets those shoulders out of our ears, gets our hands from being tense, brings everything back and open. So, and if, if anyone's ever done, you know, listen to podcasts, if you've done yoga, if you practice yoga, um, for, for me, it's been really really easy to go to take what I learned on the mat in a yoga class back to the saddle. Um, Cause when you're in the saddle, you've got a living creature under you and you can't nest, you know, who knows what kind of day they're having or how, what, what your horse is going to be doing that day. But if, if you can be consistent and bring, bring the consistency of being an athlete on the mat back to the saddle, I think it definitely goes hand in hand and can improve performance. For sure. Huge. And body awareness that uh, I always found with yoga, the body awareness. Oh my goodness. Uh, Just knowing what balance feels like. And And I think riding clearly is such a tough sport, right? Because my trainer will be like, put your shoulders back, move your hands, move your leg, do this, do that. They're they're barking like 18 commands at me, which is off. That's just, I think the nature of riding a horse in this sport. Um, but when you have a moving, living, breathing creature under you, it creates that entire level of complexity that people don't experience in other sports, right? You, when you throw a football, you throw a football. When you do yoga, it's just you and your mat. You know, there's, when you're dealing with another creature, um, if you have the basis from the mat or from cross-training and you can transfer that into, into the actual riding a, a horse, I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Like, cause I, and that's something I see when I work with riders is that I'm not coming in as a coach. I'm coming in as a specialist on the kinesthetic side of things. Um, because riders have been forever hearing heels down, shoulders back, sit up taller, lean back, like whatever it may be. But there's a difference between like, 
and I've talked about this a lot, like the mindlessness of just trying to accomplish those postures. And then when you actually teach somebody how to mindfully move their body, or you like be aware of how they're going to actually retract their shoulder blade back and stabilize from the core and lean back from the hips instead. And um, like teaching them that half of it requires them to take a step back and just be a little bit more aware about things. And that's, I mean, one of the first things I've now started doing is teaching people how to breathe properly because most people, riders or not, are so tense and so stuck in fight or flight that they aren't breathing properly. And if that rib cage isn't moving, how are you going to have an awareness of your shoulder blades? How are you going to have awareness of any of these things? Like it's, you have to start with those basics and breathing is the basics of most of our life form. Agreed. (laughs) How are you finding, um, am I? No, no, your face is frozen, but I can hear you. So (laughs) continue. Okay. Um, because you do uh, human and horse chiropractic work. I do. So what are you finding, uh, if you're, do you end up working on the rider and their horses team often? I do. I see a lot of, I see a lot of trainers, a lot of riders and horses, um, it's a special occasion when I get to work on the horse and the rider together. Um, that doesn't always happen like on the same session. Um, but you definitely see imbalances. So one thing, very simple example, um, a rider riding with one stirrup shorter than the other, right? A lot of times you see that on the left because they get on, on the left side and the stirrup leather may be stretched, but, um, Take that, taking that component out of the picture, I see unleveling in the pelvis that transfers into the saddle and the saddle fit and the way that the rider rides. So I can adjust someone and, and do some soft tissue work and work on their pelvis and get everything even. And then they go back to ride and they, they're like, oh my gosh, I can ride with my stirrups the same length. So some pretty simple uh, body work and adjustments can really make a profound difference in the rider and how they're able to sit in the saddle and not being crooked. So you see a lot of crookedness, right? Um, yeah. Route riders, whether, and, and it's always hard to say, right? If it's come from, in my opinion, if it's come from the horse or the rider, or if it's just a perpetuating cycle of both, right? Some, I like I'm right side dominant. So, and, and a lot of people I find their right side that pelvis is drawn up and that leg is drawn up because we're driving in a car all day. So the, the glutes, the piriformis, the musculature and the pelvis on that right side tends to be tighter and shorter. Um, so I'd say nine, eight, eight out of 10 people probably have like tightness on that right side over the left side. So that's going to really affect how you ride and sit in the saddle. Um, and then your horse, of course, is going to compensate. Yeah. Or, or the horse might be totally crooked and you're compensating. You know, it's, it's hard to, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I end up seeing it, um, I, just as you're talking, I was, I was thinking about this because, I mean, Kathleen knows this way more on the people end of it, just the, the right side shorter. Um, horses tend to be weaker on that right side a lot. And they want, it's, it's not so much a weakness, but it's because I find a lot of people are right side dominant and they accentuate that weakness because they will be stronger on their right hand. 
So their horse ends up uh, leaning on that right hand a little bit more and bracing into that right front. So that, that tendency for them to be a little bit um, maybe less balanced on the right becomes more and more accentuated because the rider is so much stronger on that right. And if they tend to be a little bit more of a, a heavy handed rider, they'll, it's almost like they force that horse into that right front and cause more imbalances. So I end up uh, seeing this and helping the horse out. Um, but then when that rider continues to ride that way, then I keep hearing that they need like two weeks, the horse is right back to normal. And it's because that came from the rider. Um, so it, it has to be the whole package. And when, when I was seeing that you were working with the horse and the rider, I was like, oh, wow, that's like, that is so amazing. Um, that would be so cool to hear what you're, end up, what you're finding by working on both of them together. And it, it, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit sad when you said that you don't get to work on both of them very often because that would be like, that would be the full package. That would be amazing. Well, I do, but it's usually spaced out. It's not because it's hard to coordinate. It's not like, you know, every rider's at the barn while I'm (laughs) working on the horse per se. Um, I would say in horses, I'd have to agree. I I tend to find more right shoulder, lower cervicals, stiffness in the right more than the left in the neck. And a lot of times I see left hind weakness. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of, that is a pretty standard pattern. That said, it, across disciplines, I find different findings in the horse as well. So like my barrel racers, I find all sorts of shoulder stuff. My jumpers and my, um, my ropers, more hind end because they're, they're using that pelvis to jump, right, to propel them. Dressage, they, they do tend to be pretty balanced more so than, you know, the barrel racing and the jumping and the ropers, I see the biggest um, pattern, I think, um, through the horse's body. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff when I, when I work on them. But a lot of the patterns, you know, I work on horses, usually on my performance horses every five to six weeks, I have them on a schedule and it takes some time. I'm telling you with the body work and the adjustments, I find it takes some time to really get those patterns to change. And I think, huge. oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's the job that they're doing, right? Um, it, they're doing, a lot of those patterns I don't think are being changed per se by the rider. Um, no. I don't know if that, and I'll say, do these stretches, do this work. And, and sometimes the compliance of, the, of my client to do that with their horse is not there. They're like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. if, you know, I've heard it's 80% you when you're with the client and 20% them. And then when you're not with the client, it's 80% them, 20% you. And sometimes I'm like, okay, guys, where's your 80%? Because we're going to get there so much quicker and further if, you're, if, if you are stretching your horse, if you are doing transitions, if you are doing hill work, if you are going to yoga, um, if you are going to your massage therapist, working with other professionals, right? It's like, it takes a village. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it's for those performance horses, it, it's maintenance. You have to have that maintenance. They're an athlete. Um, but it, it's the whole team needs to be working on that maintenance. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And again, to like bring in something recently for me, like I was working with riders again this weekend and they all had like very nice horses, but their horses all had very subtle tightnesses. And that is like, I can now from working with Sarah enough that I can now pick up some of what the horse is showing me too. Um, and, but my, again, my job is correcting the rider and it was so amazing to see how you corrected little things in the rider's body as they were riding. And yes, they weren't conditioned and they couldn't hold these changes for very long, but the amount of time they could actually ride correctly or more correctly or more efficiently is probably a better word. Their horses movement would completely change and their horses compensations would disappear short term as well too. So it's like, as you both of you are saying all this with the horses, it takes time. It takes the village. It takes all these things. Um, but the rider, as you're both saying, has to be an integral part of that. Cause if the rider is still riding inefficiently and the horse is having to compensate, then you just, you're perpetuating the cycle. I mean, I can go and adjust a horse and do maintenance and, and keep them tuned up. Right. But if I want the patterns that their body tends to be in, say, a Say I find the pelvis, the pelvis can either be stuck up or can be stuck down, basically. So if I come and that left side is dropped down and the right shoulder is tight, which is what I see in, in a lot of horses, um, or the pelvis is dropped down on both sides, um, I can come, I can maintain that. But if I want the pattern to change and the horse to change, some other changes need to be kept, need to occur, right? Coming out once every five, six weeks as a chiropractor is, is it's going to take me a long time to physically make changes in the body. Whereas if you've got the trainer and biomechanics being fixed and um, you know what you two are doing, that's going to just make everything occur so much quicker. Well, I think, I think that what needs to start happening is we need to have yoga for horses. And, and that's really what we're trying to do is uh, it, we have at our disposal as people, all of these exercises to help us with our body awareness and to move functionally. But right now in the horse world, it's starting to become more common knowledge, but like you're saying, the performance performance world isn't really ready for it because you, you can get things done by doing them, doing things the way that they're doing them right now. But what if, you did this yoga for horses and what you're talking about, the stretches, the hill work, um, just knowing what correct movement looks like, then all of a sudden those people aren't having to call people like you and I as often. Maybe they start calling um, the body workers, the chiropractors and the massage therapists to do the maintenance work and to get more exercises and to say, you know what, I noticed this little idiosyncrasy. Can you help me out with that? Instead of saying, hey, I've got a show in two days and I felt this, can you fix it? <laughs> I don't know if you get those calls, but. <laughs> I just got a message. Hey, my horse has been off and on lame and this and that. And it's like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to come out. The vet. Of course, I work with vets and I'm not a vet, right? It's not my no. scope of practice. So you've you got to make sure it's not a veterinary issue first and foremost, I'm happy to come out and look at your horse. But like the last time this woman had me work on her horse was, oh, I don't know, eight months ago. <laughs> so it's like, you know, sometimes there's miracle cases. Yeah, you come out and you adjust them and they're perfect. And I love that. But it's like, man, if you keep on the maintenance schedule and, and you, you get, and then as a practitioner, 
I worked on your horse eight months ago. I work on a lot of people and a lot of animals, right? So as a practitioner, it's like you call me back out eight months later. Um, we're going to be right. I don't know how your horse's body responds when it's doing its best. I know yeah. when you call me when it's broken, but what about when it's actually feeling good? What about <laughs> what about that, that maintenance and, and optimizing, right? Not trying to fix something that's broken. That's one of the hardest messages to convey. Um, pain is a motivating factor for people, right? So it's, 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 oh my goodness, I fell off and I feel like crap. I'm coming in. Okay, I understand that. But what about the fine tuning in the horse and the fine tuning in, in the human when, when they're at their best, how do you make things better? That's, that's really what I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. And that, that is such an awesome point too, because it's, it's only, you get the call a lot of the times when things are at its worst. What about when the horse is at its best to, to reach this whole new level of best? Um, and I, I just had this thought, uh, how many times do you guys go and see somebody for massage therapy or body work or chiropractic or anything like that? Um, what would, what's your number? How often are you going? Uh, for myself, I mean, I go usually something. I work with a personal trainer twice a week. I usually see some form of body worker once a week, if not every second week for sure. Sometimes more frequently, sometimes less frequently. I'm also doing regular um, yoga, regular coaching sessions with various different mentors and that kind of thing through the week. So like it never stops for me, but I've realized that if I don't do that stuff for myself, I cannot function, especially nor could I heal other people or help other people. I get adjusted. I know I need to be adjusted at least every two weeks. Like that's how my body has been for a long time. If I go more than two weeks, I start feeling it in my neck because I do have some arthritic changes and some issues in my neck. Um, and then the physicality of my job and my work, right? It's, it's, I saw like 20 horses last week. So that definitely adds up in my body. I went to yoga. I hadn't been in a couple of weeks because I, I've just been really swamped with work right now. I'll do a little at home, but I went to a, class, a hot class and I was like, oh my gosh, I need like a six hour class. <laughs> it was an hour and 15 minutes, like a hot power class. And I was like, okay, now my body's just starting to open up you know? Um, so I do yoga at least once or twice a week, um, in a class. And then I, I have a home practice as well. I have an infrared sauna. Um, I use that as much as possible. Epsom salt baths. I get massaged probably about every two weeks and I get adjusted every like week or two. Um, I'd love to find a good acupuncturist. Um, you know, I, I, I've been recently speaking with an energy healer an energy worker. So just, putting together the team, right. To keep myself going and do my best for my, my clients as well. Cause I, you know, I, I had, I was a little burnout recently and I was like, Oh my gosh, rain it in. Right. Literally rain it in. I've been going, going, going. And I was like, okay, clean up my diet again, more. There's just, you know, I think, and that's the natural ebb and flow. I think for anyone, we all go in these cycles and these waves. And as long as you understand what you can do to get back on track and, um, it, that's just life. Life's always going to throw stuff at us. Right. So it's how you deal with it. And, and when things get crazy, it's okay. You just, you, you give a little more, you put out a little more output when things get crazy and then you nourish your supply <laughs> even more so after that or during it. 
that that's awesome that is uh that's a perfect explanation of uh of self-awareness and how you can manage yourself to keep yourself going because it's we can't be expected to keep going without this this team behind us and uh i'm usually every week to two weeks i'm going to see somebody and just like you listed and both of you listed a huge team of people that you're using at your disposal um and when we're working with our horses this is the mindset that we want to kind of get going is your your horse is doing this work too with you and like what you're talking about uh sarah is if you are keeping on top of this and you you know your horse and you know when he or she starts to kind of feel a little bit off, that's when you do your preventative work. That's when you start um, saying, okay, I better get somebody to look at him right now, not when he goes lame, but when something feels slightly off. And then educating yourself so that maybe those times don't even happen anymore where he's not being slightly off. It's... Uh, it's just, how to say it, the, I guess just moving forward instead of taking like a, a, what I end up seeing and um, it sounds like you're maybe on the same page and you can add to this where I see a lot of riders where they take two steps forward and it's like, wow, amazing. And then four to six steps back. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's just, it's this cycle. So it's so hard um, to move forward. And I know a lot of riders get frustrated uh, on how to improve this. And some of them will say, oh, but the money involved, this is going to save you money in the long run. Is this awareness and doing this work, this is going to save you so much money in the long run? Because now your horse is functioning for five years longer than he would have if you had kept going the way you were going. Yeah, you can't ride them into the ground, right? No. I mean, just like just like our bodies, you've, you've got to look at the horse as an athlete and and take take the best care of them as possible. Because otherwise, you're going to ride them into the ground, and they're going to be they're going to get injured, and they're not going to be able to do their job anymore. And if if you look at it like a lot of, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. So we have this thing. Um, I don't know if you've noticed it where there's no filters here. Um, you, you can say whatever's on your mind because like part of what we're trying to do is push some buttons. Um, and maybe we, I don't think we've gone too far yet. Nobody said we've gone too far, but push some buttons because I don't think that enough people are hearing some of this stuff that, um, what, what we're actually doing to horses. And like, I know that you guys both see it is, uh, what we're doing to them mentally and physically. And I think it starts with um, what we're talking about today. It starts with the rider. It starts if the rider has that self-awareness and the rider feels in their body, um, then they can start saying, oh, wow, my horse feels that too. Yeah. Um, My horse is experiencing that neck ache. My horse is experiencing that back ache. And I usually tell him to shut up and do it. What if we start saying, no, buddy, I'm going to call Dr. Sarah and she's going to fix you um, today. And then she'll be back in two weeks and do it again. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. This just kind of reminds me of a case I had. Um, I had this woman call me out, her husband's horse. They they just do trail riding. 
Um, but up and down mountains in Georgia, Northwest Georgia, right? So some pretty, pretty intense trail riding. Her husband's horse had a, they sent it away to a trainer where they had it tied up a lot. And when they got it back, the horse, which was always a great horse, real calm, no, no problems, little quarter horse. When they got it back, it would rear up, it flipped over, it would pull back. It was having all these, it was acting crazy, right? And they didn't know what had happened. Some, the, the wife was like convinced that something had happened at that trainer. And she was convinced that the horse had a headache. So I went out, I worked on the horse. I did a lot of work in its pole and jaw and craniosacral release, which I always do. And I really worked um, throughout the entire body, but I did find some significant findings in the pole. Um, and I said, okay, you know, let's see how it goes, right? I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I don't have a crystal ball and I, all I can do is what I know how to do and do my job and see if that corrects, the, corrects it, right? I didn't hear anything. This was like eight months ago. That must be the magic number. That's a magic number. <laughs> <laughs> so then they call me. I, I got a message and, and I, I, I swear I'm getting things on Instagram, Facebook, business Facebook, two phone numbers and my email. Right. So I get a message. Hey, I want you to come look. You looked, you worked on my red mare and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I see 20 red mares a week. They're like, we have another horse. Why don't you come look at, I pull up at the house. I'm like, Oh, this is the house. This is the barn I'm at. Right. This is the client. And apparently I fixed that horse. The husband's like, I'm not, it never reared up again. It was totally great. It, he kept the horse. They didn't sell it. They were going to get rid of it if I didn't fix it. And they called me out for a different horse. But it's like, I never saw or heard anything. I had no idea. And the husband's like, he's like, I didn't know if, I don't know if I believe still 100%. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I'm like, well, you got to throw me a bone here. Okay. Give me, I want at least 50% credit. Yeah. <laughs> Some credit here. Okay. Cause I came out once and then your horse was fine. Not that that happens every time by any means. But I was like, what, what, what more is there to believe and understand? I mean, like your wife was convinced that, something happened and it had a headache and was acting like she was the one in tune. That's what I'm trying to get. Right. She is like, this horse is a headache. This is not normal. It's flipping over. It's having all these issues. Something must've happened at the trainer. And then the, the man, even after all the problems were resolved after one visit was like, I'm not convinced that that's what it was. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna go with your wife here. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Do you run into that a lot? Because I, I just had the same, like not the same, but very similar where, uh, I went out to work on a different horse and the, um, the wife was like, Oh, he's so much better. Uh, this, 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 and this aren't happening anymore. Cause I asked, well, how is he doing? And the husband replied, replied with, Oh, he's the same. I was like, oh, well, that's, that's not good. And he's like, no, I mean, he's good. He's fine. I was like, oh, so oh. he's improved. No, he's the same. And <laughs> it, like, it, <laughs> we went in circles for a while until I gave up. And like you said, just went <laughs> with the wife, like it's because she, she was so excited that he, the horse, they could take the horse and do things and go trail riding in the mountains. Whereas before he was like, he was lame intermittently lame on all four legs like he it was and if, strangely enough it was a headache um but the oh it's it's a little bit harder getting to the husband's <laughs> I'm but really I mean, glad it's funny it's funny hearing you both saying this because all I'm thinking is like and I'm sure Dr. Sarah you run into this too but like I we deal with that in humans all the time too where like 
become with something and you think it's this huge mystery. And it's like, oh, well, it's just because of this and this and this. And maybe it takes one time to fix. Maybe it takes a few sessions to fix. There's always just applying the basic stuff to them. Um, but I think humans even suck at that. Like they're always skeptics that they can actually get better. Like there's this whole normalization of issues that we just work around. So it, that takes away the connection that we would have. Is it, it's funny to think for us to say, look at and say, oh, well, obviously your horse has a headache or they experience the same issues that we have and all this stuff. It's easy for us to say like, well, obviously they do. We have very similar anatomies when you really get down to it, similar builds, we're moving. We're all, if, if our muscles respond one way and have certain trigger points, the horse's muscles are going to respond a certain way and have certain trigger points. Um, and so, but then you take that and add it to a human's lack of awareness to their own bodies and skepticism that they can actually improve themselves a lot of the time. It just adds a layer on top of that. Cause so many people are always like, well, I'm always going to have back pain. I'm always going to have headaches. Like I've just always had that. I was born like this way. I'm always going to have this. I've had this since I was 18. It's never going to go away. I mean, how many people have I helped that all of a sudden the pain they've had for 20 years is no longer an issue. And they're like, I didn't actually believe that could ever happen. And we're still skeptics. Um, I don't know. It just adds a layer onto that. Well, I always, I always talk about in, you see it in chiropractic, right? People say, I don't believe in chiropractors. I don't believe in chiropractic or they've had one bad experience. So they were gun shy or, you know, it's, it's, who knows what the story is, but, um, with animals and, I find it in animals and in babies, right? They don't have the capacity to think about what you're doing and, and say, oh, I heard once one time this happened. They don't think about that. They just know whether it helps them or not. So there is a lot of instant gratification, I find, in working with animals and in babies more so than adults because they're not thinking about what you're doing and whether they believe in it or whether they heard a story about it or this, that, or the other, they just know whether they feel good or not. And a lot of times after I work on a horse um, or a dog for that manner, or the the random cat that I see, um, they will, they will, I always tell my clients like, okay, your horse is basically going to be on another planet when I'm done. Like (laughs) if they are standing in the back of the field for the next day or two, and they're just on another planet and just sleeping and they don't want anything to do with you. That's totally normal. That's the, that's their way of healing. That's what they do. So, you know, I'll go work on them and then they'll now 5% of horses, you turn them out and they buck and run and act, feel good and act crazy. But um, I'd say about 95% of them, they're off in the corner. They're sleeping, 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 and healing. That's what they're meant to, that's how we're created. We're supposed to rest to heal. They sleep and heal and rest. And then, you know, that's when you see the maximum results kick in after that. So I just went on a huge tangent there. <laughs> that's no, it's super true. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so awesome. Yeah. It's, we're so blocked in so many ways. We just go into it thinking, oh, this is going to feel this way. And that's the experience we end up having because that's the experience that we set up for ourselves and oh, yeah. instead of just allowing it to happen. We're our own worst enemies a lot of the time, or we've got these pre and I'm, I admit that a hundred percent, right? It's oh, like, I totally see notions or I, I know this, or I know that, or you know, we all do it. We're all guilty of it, but that's where, you know, with, with, with yoga, with spirituality, with different modalities and the help of a team in a village, right. We can change those beliefs and 
you know, get beyond that. And I think that really is a value of having, like forming some sort of community or system around your well-being, your awareness, and then your horses as well, because even just interacting with different professionals or different friends or different whatever, you're going to see different sides of who you are in them too, which is going to, if you're open to it and aware of it, it's going to allow you to reflect on different things, whether that be in your horses or in yourself or both. As a rider, you may hear the same thing 10 times from your trainer and then they say it, they, they change one word or use a different analogy and then everything clicks, right? Yeah. Same thing with all aspects of, of, life I feel it's like you might hear you might do the same thing a hundred times and then you do it differently once and then it opens up a whole nother pathway that that can be successful well yeah different things are going to work for different people as well what works for me isn't going to work for you Um, and it's it's the journey of figuring out what what does work what makes sense yeah I often like laugh because I've had coaches watch me work with their riders before and they'll just be like sitting there sometimes like getting a little bit frustrated or getting a little bit like just dumbfounded because they're like, I've been saying that exact same thing to them and yet they didn't do it. And like, I've had the same experience and like funniest examples. So we should have done this at the beginning, but tell it, tell us a little bit about, your journey like into where you are now yeah we kind of just jumped right in (laughs) (laughs) that's how we do (laughs) Uh, my name is dr sarah Druckman. i'm chiropractor um i see people i'm also certified by the american veterinary chiropractic association to work on animals um so that training is available for chiropractors and veterinarians exclusively. So the course that I took is the same course that a vet would take that is also an animal chiropractor. Um, So I've been riding, I started riding when I was 10. I was a gymnast and my sister did gymnastics, my dad coached gymnastics and I got to a point where it, it just scared me and I didn't like it. And I was like, I wanna ride horses. I don't know where, my neighbors had horses. I guess that's where it came from. Um, so anyway, I quit gymnastics. I, I rode horses. Um, I was an inventor throughout high school. I had an off the track thoroughbred, um, sold my horse to go to undergrad, kind of got out of it, then got back into it. You know, life took me on a crazy path. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need horses again in my life. This is what I love. Um, so chiropractic for me, it's a second career. And when I was in chiropractic school and I found out I actually, when I was going back to school, I was considering becoming a, I had four options, right? Veterinarian, doctor of osteopathy, or um, a DO, acupuncture, chiropractic. I ended up choosing chiropractic. And with that license, when I found out that I could do animal chiropractic, you know, I ran, ran right at that opportunity because if I'd become a vet, which I really was considering, I really just wanted to be a holistic vet and do like nutrition and acupuncture and um, chiropractic, but at my senior age and going back to school and just, you know, other factors, it really made sense for me to do chiropractic. So I, um, yeah, I've developed quite a, quite a great practice. I'm here in um, Alpharetta, Milton, Georgia, which is horse country um, in this area. It's an awesome area. There's just farms everywhere. Um, and it's funny because I, 
Um, you know, I grew up, I started Western initially for about a year and then I switched over to English cause I wanted to jump. And in this area, it's, a, it's all hunter jumpers. So many hunter jumpers. Well, in this immediate like Alpharetta Milton area where I live and work my practice. Um, but I've really fallen in with like barrel racers and I see ropers. I see some dressage. There's not a lot of dressage in this area, but I see some dressage horses. Um, I go up to North Georgia a lot. So it's fun. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm out all over the place, um, driving around Georgia, basically seeing, seeing horses. And it's funny because I, I absolutely love working with my little quarter horses. You know, I work with all disciplines and breeds, but, um, just finding, you, you really get to learn a lot and, and find your niche and what, what you prefer when you're working with so many different horses. Um, and it's my practice here too. I, so I, I do a lot of, um, with humans, I do a lot of soft tissue work, cupping, taping, stretching. Um, I, I've also gotten certified in yoga. I teach some yoga events. Um, I do have a yoga with horses certification, which is actually yoga on your horse and next to your horse, which I haven't done much with. <laughs> But um, um, I, I'm just really, really thankful that, you know, it's like the universe definitely led me down this path. And I feel like, like if you had asked me when I was a little kid, would I be a horse? But it's the perfect marriage. You know, I'm working with horses. I get my horse fixed. I'm working with riders. I see so many trainers and equestrians in my practice. So um, just just really found my sweet spot here. That's my story. <laughs> long story short, or long, short story long. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. And it, that's what it's all about is finding, finding your spot, that sweet spot. That is, I love that. I love that. Because that, that's where you function the best. You function the best when you're functioning, doing what you love and doing what you're good at. Yeah. And it's, it's cool, like, with all the yoga I've gotten into, um, just giving that, like, I love the yoga community. I love the equestrian community um, and merging those two. It's just, it's been really cool to be able to work with both. Oh, and compliments. And they benefit each other. They benefit each other so much. So pretty, pretty awesome little niche to be in. I have fun, you know, I hack all my trainer's horses when I, when I have the chance, I'll go out and hack two, three, four horses and I still lessen with her. Um, but just, it's just the phase I'm in right now in my life, you know, it, it may change in a year or two, but my practice is less than a year old here. My, you know, my equine business has been going for about three years. Um, I mean, my human. I've been in practice three years. So my human practice and my animal practice have both been going, but I've been really putting so much energy into the physical location that I have now. Um, so we'll see. You can't do it all, right? So no. <laughs> you can't do it all. I, I, I do as much as I can, but it's just not the focus right now. And I know if I had a horse, oh my, I'd love to have a horse, right? But I would be the worst horse mother ever. Like, <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to give my horse what I would want. Like, I'd, they'd be neglected right now at this point in my life. I mean, I work some days, 12-hour days, and it, it just wouldn't be – there's no point in me committing to that at this point. 
it's finding balance. It's always finding balance. And uh, there's been times where I've thought like your situation, Kathleen, just showing up at the barn, hopping on the horse and trotting about like that. It's wow. actually kind of ideal. Like I, t- <laughs> <laughs> I never thought that I would be at this point where I'm like, I'm just, cause I've always been like, Oh, it's better to own. It's better to whatever. I'd rather just have one that's mine. And cause I've partboarded in the opposite standpoint where I've been the one partboarding my horse to other people. And it's like, I always hated it then. And, but yeah, no, like when this situation arrived and it was just kind of like ideal and it's like, it's great. Like head out to the barn. That's my quiet time. That's my time to connect in on the horse don't have to worry about anything else except the immediate care of the horse at that time and the riding and then the coaching. And then that's, that's it. (laughs) And then you probably have more time to spend on your horse's wellness care. For sure. Like massages, chiropractic, general love. Um, I'm going to change the subject real quick here. Uh, uh, Dr. Sarah, you were talking about yoga on horseback. I would like to hear more, please. Yeah, so I did a training in North Carolina about a year ago, and it's literally yoga, yoga with horses. And like I did downward dog on the horse's back, right? So your your feet would be on their SI joints or up on their on their rump, and your hands are on the withers, and you get into a downward dog. And it's actually a lot of the poses you end up doing, it's, it's like a massage. You're, you're doing body work. It's almost like Thai massage, right? Where you're doing body work and massage with the horse. Cause your hands, you, you actually inadvertently, you're stretching out their fascia and they're, they relax into it. They're a lot of times, mind you, they're a horse. So sometimes they may get a fly on them or move or take a step. And it, it's a little precarious when you're in a yoga position on the horse. Um, but a lot of times they really are relaxing into the session and it's like a, this bonding opportunity with the animal. Um, there's also very basic, I mean, even like sitting on their back, bareback and doing some gentle twists, you know, it doesn't all have to all be an impressive pose per se. So even a beginner could absolutely get through one of the classes. Um, and then there's ground, you know, in the very beginning of the training, we, sat on the horse's back, bareback with our eyes closed and our arms outstretched and someone led us around. I don't know about you two, but like, when's the last time you did that with a horse? Uh, <laughs> I hadn't done it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Maybe when I was like 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And with- the awareness, the awareness as an adult right now at this age and just that connection, it's all about connecting with the animal um, through yoga. So really cool. I was at one point we were going to do some events in the area. Um, it just never really came to fruition. Um, maybe something we'll dive into in the future. I know there's a couple of accounts I follow on Instagram and other people that are really doing yoga with horses. Um, so you, you know, having the right horses, having nice, quiet horses and, um, a team of people you can put together, an awesome experience that yeah that sounds like a job for a percheron actually (laughs) (laughs) it's i can't it's funny because when i did the training it was on quite a couple different horses and yeah you definitely want them to have a little weight on them and be (laughs) (laughs) quiet and stable right a percheron exactly (laughs) but then you're a little further up off the ground so you kind (laughs) of at my age i'm like you know 
those darn quarter horses, something nice and little where if I, if, if I do fall, I'm close to the ground makes me feel pretty, pretty comfortable. Yeah. The, the quarter horses are good for so many things though. They're just uncomplicated in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I don't know if you had uh, heard this and you've listened to the podcast. So obviously you've heard this, but Kathleen and I are doing a retreat next weekend on the 18th. Um, and on that birthday. on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll have, we'll send out a shout out to you on the <laughs> some cake for gluten-free cake for me. <laughs> gluten-free cake. It is. I, that was, I was trying to find that because one of the ladies in the retreat is uh, uh, celiac. So uh we will, we are going to get a gluten-free cake, um, <laughs> but that yoga on horseback, uh, that would definitely be something that would be so interesting to add to, uh, a retreat. Um, that's like, that's the perfect place for it. Uh, I'll just come wake- next one. <laughs> yes. So this is, I mean, this is where yeah. I'm going with this open invitation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Kathleen, you're being quiet over there. I know you're having some sound difficulties. Um, do you have a challenge for today? Uh, Dr. Sarah, do you have any uh, thoughts on the challenge to leave our listeners for today? Yeah, um, I don't have a challenge in mind because I was hoping, not that I warned her of this, but I was hoping Dr. Sarah would come up with one. But Dr. Sarah, when you listen to the first few of our episodes, you um, kind of mentioned that you want to do like a riders or people to, uh, episode, which we have seen this one around. It's been helter skelter, but we have done it. Um, do you have any comments on like what you, what you think when you say riders or people to like, what are you seeing that's super common? What kind of challenges do you see that riders face or things that they're maybe not facing that they should be facing? And then maybe there's a challenge that comes up around that for you. Oh my gosh, I need to think about this a little bit. <laughs> no warning, pop quiz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so challenges that riders face. That's the primary question here. Yeah. Yeah. So like what kind of things do you see? Like, so like for instance, before you came on, we were talking about how um well, we we're talking about coffee addictions and how like how many riders or trainers that you know that they just like exist off of coffee all day long and then get home and like stuff their face with whatever they can find but they say oh I don't have time to eat I don't have time to do this or they're not drinking water and they just go through like the day drinking coffee instead or like this common excuse of like I don't have time to eat I don't have time to make food I don't have time to make um, good food or it's too expensive to eat healthy like all those different things like those are I mean they're I wouldn't call them challenges that riders face I would maybe call those uh challenges riders riders create Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would say, you know, we talked about balance, right? I think one of the biggest things with riders is balance because it's a very, very demanding sport. You know, a lot of the people I work with, my clients, they, you know, they're working full time to afford their horse. They have relationships, they have children or, you know, we all have a lot on our plate. And here we're talking about spending enough time and energy with your horse, spending enough time and energy on yourself, um, just optimizing performance. And it, it's, it's, it's a fine line, you know, we're on this like tightrope or teeter totter at all times of, of balance. Um, and I think riders, especially 
need to be really aware. You have to be very aware of where you're putting your energy and your focus and just taking care of yourself, giving yourself downtime, having self-care, eating well, doing yoga, cross-training. I, I don't think you can't be a good rider and not cross-train. I mean, I don't like you can't only ride horses, I don't think, and be a great rider. Um, so I think it's just that finding balance in life, I think, is a big, big, big challenge um, in modern day society for everybody especially a rider, especially when you've got to find the time and the energy to take care of yourself, cross train and take care of a living creature and be at the barn and spend the time and spend the energy with your, with your animal, with your horse. So I'd say that would be the biggest challenge I can, I could perceive off, off the cuff. <laughs> Which is, I'm, this is not uh, just horse people because riders are people too. This is all people. <laughs> this, this is across the board. And like you said earlier, um, it, the added challenge is now you have a living, breathing thing that's also your responsibility to keep balance in their life uh, and maintain the nutrition and the exercise and the socialization and all of the different things to balance in their lives. It's not, it's not a football or a tennis racket. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a living, breathing thing so um the challenge becomes how do you maintain the balance in balancing your life and your horse's life because i think that that is something that um that not only is it balancing that but it's also balancing the two of them so that you're not putting all your efforts into making sure your horse's health is amazing and you forget about yours or putting all your efforts into your end of it and forgetting about your horses yeah Takes a, takes a village. I think that's where the team really <laughs> right? If you've yeah. got the right strength, if you're at the right facility, you're feeding the right food. I mean, there's a nutritionist in our area. It's just hiring, hiring and delegating and having the right team to help you. So that way you can maximize your time and energy when it comes down to it. And, and trusting in other people's expertise uh, because like, just like you, a nutritionist has spent their entire life learning about that one thing or a good portion of their life. Whereas like you are a professional in your field. Um, and we can't, we can't all be a professional just in everything horses. Uh, it's definitely surrounding yourself with people, uh, like we had, uh, the release equine on and it's all hooves with them. Um, and it, it's, it's so cool to be able to talk to you and you're way over in Georgia. That is a long way from Canada. Um, (laughs) I'm from Michigan though. I used to be right across the border. Oh, so you, you understand the cold. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's funny listening to us because we do say those things. We do say those things, but it's, it's so incredible uh, talking to you because you're, there's so many things that uh, we're all on the same page and um, it's, it's nice knowing that you're not alone in this uh, track of the education and knowledge. Um, uh, It's, but it's really exciting to hear some of your stories about um, just the, the things that you're coming up against being able to get it's all about getting referral in this industry yeah absolutely 
that's the best kind of practice in business for across the board though. You know, any, any practitioner I know of it's the referral is the best way to build a business and, um, it's whoever you, right? Jesus. whoever your friends trust and other people use and trust that goes a long way. I'm super pumped you're here. Me and Dr. Sarah have been like creeping each other on Instagram for a couple <laughs> years now. So <laughs> finally, finally we do something. <laughs> I, know. I know. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have any other questions. I'm like I said, I'm just super pumped that you're here. I'm, I'm happy to have you on our our new project and I hope to see one of our retreats one day. I think it'd be cool to collaborate oh with you. Oh my gosh. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. I really had a great time with you ladies and um, hopefully I, I gave some good insight. <laughs> for sure. Oh, for excellent. Sure. I love your podcast. I'm so <laughs> Thank happy. You. I mean, I, I'm, I look forward, I'm listening and learning every time a new episode comes out. So um, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me here because um, I'm learning a lot from, from you, you two and your guests. So appreciate awesome. it. Thank you. Our challenge is to find balance in our lives this week. And um, oh man, like so much cool stuff to think about. And uh, I'm really looking forward to following you more on Instagram, Dr. Sarah. I think everybody should, uh, follow um what's your account it's it's dr sarah druckman.com or sorry just dr sarah druckman it's all one word it's uh d-r-s-a-r-a-h-d-r-u-c-k-m-a-n perfect and i'm telling you i just throw out all sorts of crazy stuff so fair warning (laughs) (laughs) y'all oh it's it's not it's like, there's so many times where you, you'll post something and I'm like, oh my goodness, I needed to hear that today. <laughs> it's funny. It's usually just what I need to hear that I, you know, it's like you hear something and it resonates and then it's like, and then collective, the collective consciousness, right? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I needed that. <laughs> yeah. It's so perfect. And that's what we're, it's all about this community, uh, building this community where we can all feed off of one another and get the, like this, the positive vibes from everybody. Absolutely. And I've got, you know, um, you guys shoot me an email or something too. I've got some, uh, some people in mind, I think would be good to bring on if, if you're, you know, some nutritionists, I know some of the horse yoga people, there's a lot of interesting, you know, when I was 17 and starting undergraduate, if I had known all the options within the horse, the only thing I thought I could do as a equestrian was become a vet or a trainer. That was pretty much it, right? I just didn't have the, I didn't know I could incorporate it into my life in the capacity that I am now. So I think it's pretty inspiring all the different um, avenues that are out there um, to work with horses and be involved in that passion. So, um, And it it is inspiring because there's lots of people that I've been meeting where they're just doing the craziest things with horses and it's not vet or uh, farrier or trainer, like the, the typical things. It's, it's something completely out on left field. I can't think of an example right now. It'll come to me as soon as we turn this thing off. Um, <laughs> but it, like you said, it incorporating it into your life. So you can actually, you can just live horses all day long and make money at it or not make money at it, but survive off of it. <laughs> I think it all depends on what your definition of is of, uh, it's like, what do you need? Right. Yeah. What do you, what do you need? 
to live a good life. It's, it's typically, everybody. it's a slobbery horse and a dog is typical. <laughs> you know <laughs> dirt under my nails. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It's dark nail polish hides that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Sarah, for coming on. I can't wait to talk to you more, but this has been awesome. Awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to Your Horse is Not the Problem, episode four with Dr. Sarah Druckmann. As we said, give her a follow on Instagram at Dr. Sarah Druckmann. And also follow us at Rideville Performance and Southwell Equine Services. Get ready for our first retreat on August 18th in Noberfold, Alberta, just outside of Lethbridge. If you're looking to attend or attend future ones, please drop us a line on Instagram at Southwell Equine Services and at Rideville Performance, and we'll be happy to give you some info. Talk to you next week.